1: This point Everybody's on their feet in the Amway Center. Hoochovich with a catch. He'll turn fire. Oh! He it! Pure
2: magic! <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right, all right. Welcome back to another episode of Close Up Magic. I'm your host, Stephen Cameron. Today we have a really great episode, my good friend Jonathan hops on and we discuss a lot of things going on with the Orlando Magic, different rotations, players, the hot start from Vucevic and Bamba, just all sorts of good stuff. Um, So make sure you tune in for that, it is a little bit of a longer episode, we run about a full hour long conversation and it's great, it's all solid content. Um... Before we jump into that, I'm going to plug the Up and Under where you can find this podcast as well as some really good articles. We got a couple up there recently. We had a Celtics fan who does all our media, social media. She lost a bet with me, so she had to write a positive uh, article all about the Orlando Magic. That was just posted, so make sure you check that out. But anyways, we're, we're posting a lot of really good content up there pretty regularly, so please check it out. And If you want to get involved, feel free to reach out. Until then, thank you up and under. Thank you, Nothing But Net. You're hearing this on Nothing But Net. You are you were probably listening to me late night. If you're a Nothing But Net listener, please get at me on Twitter and let me know you're around. Anyways, here's the conversation with Jonathan. Hope you enjoy. Peace. All right, Jonathan. Thanks for jumping on the show. Glad to have you back. You are actually the first repeating guest that we've had on the Close Up Magic. I believe the last time you and I talked, it was it was just before uh, training camp. Um, it was still preseason uh, or sorry, off season. Um, thanks for jumping on the show. How have you been? Thank you.
3: Uh, I've been fine. Um, you know. Can, can I divulge that we had some audio issues? So we've revisited this conversation already. And uh, anything that I, I, I may sound awkward on is because of that. But to answer your question, I've been great. Um, as I said earlier, I think my mood currently is, is, is on a high because of the game last night, the phenomenal game that we played against Boston where the ball was moving better than I've seen in years. And I'm a big ball movement guy and I am a big Magic fan. So anytime we move the ball and we win, I am ecstatic.
2: Nice. Well, that's a perfect lead into the very next question. And by the way, I am stoked on last night's win and we'll definitely dive into that a little bit more into this episode. Um, But before we get too heavy into the games and about the team itself, I want to talk about you and where you are at as a Magic fan. This season, we're four games into it. We've had preseason. We got a new head coach in Steve Clifford and a couple of tiny little new additions to the team in Mobama and stuff like that. But as a fan, how do you feel at the start of this season compared to the start of the last previous seasons? Do you have a new excitement or are you feeling a little bit more hesitant and resistant because of so much uh, past failure that we've had as a team that we follow? Um, where are you at as a fan and as a follower of the Orlando Magic?
3: Uh, well, I think right now I'm, I'm pretty comfortable in stating that I'm pretty high on Steve Clifford. Initially, I was lukewarm. I think it was a slight improvement over Vogel, but I think he's, a uh, after, you know, watching more videos of him kind of breaking down film with the players and uh, hearing the players talk about how he's connecting with them, and I've even seen it mid-game, him holding players accountable, I think... Those traits that he he presents are are going to go a very very long way with it with this team, win or lose. I think he can be very instrumental uh, to the young players' development, and you know, also developing consistency amongst our uh, quote unquote veteran players. So I'm I'm, I'm super stoked on him. Uh, and then you know, mentally and emotionally, I think my mood may may swing one way or the other quite drastically depending on how we play the night of or the night after a game but you know like i said earlier after last night's game i I think i'm riding a high i'm i'm sold on the magic currently
2: nice i uh yeah man i felt really good this morning too waking up um i'm pretty sure my co-workers and anyone who follows me on twitter and uh a couple other platforms i think they're all just like yeah he's he's feeling good i texted my one friend who is a gigantic warriors fan and i I texted him this morning when i woke up i'm like oh man this is what it feels like to be a champion i'm just i'm not used to waking up and and having something positive to talk about about it about my basketball team uh so this morning was a nice a nice feeling of of what it felt like to follow a team that
3: Won a really big game. Um Well, it's not just a big game. It's how they won the game. Like they played yeah. basketball the way it was supposed to be played. They played it the right way, which a lot of times over the years they're not winning games because they played the right way. They just just kind of happened. This that was an earned victory. It's it's a proud moment.
2: Last night was a very much earned victory, and you know what? Let's just let's just get into it real quick. Let's just talk about last night's game about this uh, versus the Celtics. We. We won the game on defense and passing ball on offense, like you said. A lot of people today in the media, they're not giving them what I've noticed is they weren't really giving the Magic the credit that they deserved. Um, They were talking more about the, uh, the offensive struggles from Boston, but not putting that in relation to the defense that Orlando has had. Yet, granted, very small sample size through four games, even with that blowout that we had versus... Um, Charlotte Orlando is right now sitting in number 10 in defensive team uh in, in the entire NBA we're a top 10 defensive team right now and it's it's kind of frustrating because again you know it, it's deserved frustration though because we haven't done much in the last couple of years to get national media attention Um, and, and all of it is just going more towards what is Boston doing and I and I know they've had their struggles but you're right we won last night's game on sticking to the defensive strategy Playing good switching offense, guarding the line and passing the ball and not that of course there was a couple of moments with some weird ISO plays. We all there there always are. But for the most part, there was some like really nice ball movement on offense, which helped get men open, driving in, kicking out. Like it was just it was fun basketball to watch, damn it. It really was. What are your thoughts on last night's game, Jonathan?
3: So well, I said earlier. I there. No, no. no. Yeah, I, I, I've been waiting. I have no one to talk to about the Magic, so I'm, I'm excited. Um, I think that rant was great, and uh, it touches on a lot of the things that I feel went right, uh, the ball movement especially.
2: Let's talk about ball movement.
3: Go ahead. Yeah. Okay. So you follow me on Twitter. I don't know if you've ever seen my rants about when I'm actually playing basketball at LA Fitness. I get alternate. so irritated. I love your rants. Yeah. I don't, Thank you. I, I don't like when the ball doesn't swing. I'm not saying, like, hey, be the San Antonio Spurs and pass up a a good look for a great look. I think if you have a good look, take the good look. Uh, I'm not really sold on that. There's always a better look. Um, And I think the Magic kind of uh, more or less have bought into that philosophy at least the last two games. Um, I think they're playing from the inside out And with Vucevic, like I, and I think I said this in our initial podcast together that without a pure playmaker, uh, and kind of having a weaker point guard rotation, you would, you were going to need Vucevic to, to kind of fill that role. And he had a triple double the other night against Philadelphia. And I think when you're able to play like that, the best team, the, the best passing teams, the Spurs and the Celtics, especially, really any team Pau Gasol is on, um, and, and, and Al Horford, who, I'm trying to think of some other great, Marcus Saul's another great passer. Any team where you have a, a big man, Jokic, uh, any team that has a big man that can pass the ball like that tends to have or lead the league in assist percentages. And um, I think that's the route we're going to have to go. I think Vujovic has, has proven his worth in that regard. And I got to hand it to Aaron Gordon. Other than the first game, He's been a lot less selfish with the ball. I think he's still learning to when to make that extra pass versus when to actually look for his own shot. But I've been hard on him, and I think I think he, he's really working on that. And uh, same with Fournier. I think last night he had a career high 10 assists. Yeah, he our guys
2: can double with assists and not rebounds, and that, that's yeah. awesome.
3: I think if uh, if our team can consistently do things like that and trust one another whether the shots are falling or not, it's going to go a long way in in helping this team grow because let's face it we don't have a go-to guy. We're going to have to rely on on ball movement and player movement to score some points and hey, kind of involved in all that when you have that you have more spacing, which is what allowed Jonathan Isaac to get so many second chance points and easy baskets after cutting uh, baseline and kind of seeking his way you know down low without the ball that that's really going to help his development as well
2: it definitely is it's very it's you know i think i'm still not 100 percent happy with where the offense is at and and that's fair we're only four games in and i think it was very clear from the very first game when we played miami that our defense was light years ahead of where our offense uh was as far as development and getting ready for the season and besides the Charlotte game, I'm just pretending that didn't even happen. Um, we've seen improvements on offense almost every game. And I think there'll still be improvements on offense. I want to touch back where you were talking about with Aaron Gordon for a second. He, yeah, that first game, he had a monster game where I think he had 26 points and... 16, 16 rebounds. rebounds. It was a monster yeah. game. And for the most part, there was a handful of shots in there that were, you know, he tried to do the ISO thing. And I think he got lucky with some of those ISO plays on that game. Um, but for the most part, during that game, he was playing within the offense. I thought, you know, taking open look threes when he had them um, driving and taking cuts and getting fed the ball when he could. I, the last, I was watching a little bit of uh, last night's game before we hopped on this phone call. And there was a couple of moments where I could see he was trying to make the cut. And he had an opportunity to get the ball and the passes just weren't coming to him and he was getting a little frustrated. And I think that's also why we saw that one play. I think it was in the second quarter where Steve Clifford called a timeout because he saw Aaron Gordon getting ready to go into another ISO situation. And he called it off because that's not the offense he wants to run. Um, My point being is, the offense is still developing. I think Aaron Gordon should be a little bit bigger of an offense, uh uh of an offensive tool for the team. I'd like to see him get a little bit more involved. Um, I think that will help us create a little bit bigger of a distance between these really tight, close games if we can get him a little bit more involved. Because in my opinion, besides Vucevic he is our second best offensive weapon, um, I would I even put him a little bit over uh Evan Fournier just because he's a little bit more versatile. But, um, but I mean, really, the, the offense, like you said, it, it's developing. The ball is moving. It didn't get stuck in too many people's hands last night. Um, even Evan Fournier, like you said, um, him and Vucevic, their eyes, we know they like to find each other and pass the ball to each other a lot, but it seems like Clifford is starting to even break them out of that a little bit. Um, not 100%. There was that one time during the 76ers game where Evan Fournier had like a wide open Aaron to his right. And he tried to pass it to Vooch in the paint. Yeah, I uh, saw that. Yeah. So like, it's not perfect, but it's watchable. This is like watchable yeah. fun basketball right now. It's,
3: it's crazy. Yeah, I would, I would definitely agree. And, uh, kind of back to your point about Aaron Gordon. I also would like to see a few more plays run for the run for him. Uh, Easy but uh, buckets, so that he doesn't. I think part of why he he falls into those ISO AG plays that he has or ISO AG moments. And I've I've been guilty of it when I when I played basketball. You you kind of want to prove like, hey, I'm I'm here, I exist, I can get my own buckets, I can score, I'm an offensive weapon. And when you're not getting the ball as much, and when you're not really getting your due. I think especially as a young player, you'll go out there and you'll try to force things. And I think it's up to Clifford to really find ways to get him a little bit more involved in the offense so that he doesn't resort to doing things like that. And that's Um, a very good point. Yeah, I don't know if you remember when uh, that first year of our rebuild post Dwight Howard, Aaron Aflava, who was a little bit older, maybe 26, 27 at that time, uh kind of got into that habit as well he went from being you know more or less a three and d guy in uh where was he denver
2: yeah denver
3: I believe. yeah so. uh to suddenly being thrust into this bigger role and i think he wanted obviously Jacques vaughn was an awful coach but i think he wanted to prove to the rest of the nba like hey i can be a go-to guy and that first year it looked awful year two a, a bit better a bit more efficient but year one, it was, it was damn near unwatchable. And I think that's what kind of, uh, mentality AG has. He wants to prove that he's great. He wants to prove that he's uh, a number one or number two option,
0: uh, Yeah,
3: but that's to the detriment of the team, at least at this stage in his career and his development.
2: Yeah, no, I think you're, I think you're hitting the nail right on the head. And I think that's kind of why we saw him and, and just seeing his development of where he's at now uh, compared to where he was at last year, last year, he kind of had his like pr- uh, broke out last year in a sense too, but that's why we got so fresh with his ISO plays, dribbling out the ball and trying to, you know, take a 14 a foot contested two or those fadeaway um, jumpers. Yeah, us. they were, they were garbage. And we haven't seen that as much this year. He is playing more within the offense, passing the ball, not letting it get stuck in his hands, but, I can kind of see the frustration and that is one note I'm going to make about him, but I think he's been doing all pretty, for the most part, all right. Someone was saying, you know, where's Aaron Gordon been the last couple of nights? Well, he's been helping out the team in other ways, um, catching rebounds, passing the ball, even though his assist number isn't super high right now, just him making the effort helps. Of, he's part of the, the, the passing motion um, with the offense and running screens and stuff like that. So, um, you know, uh, yes, I think, it'd be more, it would It would just also be more visually entertaining because when he does do something with the ball, it's either an insane dunk or draining a three. And those are always really fun. So, Absolutely. Um, yeah. What, what else was impressive about last night to you when we beat the Celtics?
3: Um, well, I think, uh, not just last night, but over the course of the season, uh, Terrence Ross's defensive intensity. Um, for some reason, ever since we traded for him, his shot has not been falling. And a lot of guys who are known as streaky scorers and streaky uh, just overall offensive players will let what happens on offense, their performance on offense, dictate how they perform defensively. Right. And if anything, to me, it seems like whether he's 10 for 10 or 0 for 10, he, he gives the same effort on defense that he would if you know like I said he was going 10 for 10. So it, it's it's reassuring to see that he's able to impact the game in other ways because I know initially when we traded him he had a reputation as a, a one way player and to to my surprise I would I would argue that he's up there with Isaac in regards to our best perimeter defensive player.
2: I, I want to bring my next point, and it's it's to your point um, that you're making with uh, with Terrence Ross, and I'm, I'm so happy to have him back. He, is, he does all the little things. He plays so well without having the ball in his hand on offense and is a committed defender. Um, but one thing I want to talk about is kind of how one thing I've noticed from the difference of last year's success to this year's success. Last year's success, we were hot because we started draining shots. Um, Aaron Gordon was shooting 60% from three at one point and leaving the league in three point percentage. And like, we knew that wasn't going to last. This whole team was just, they were all shooting really, really good. And this year, that's not the case. Our offense has struggled and in, in a sense, um, but our defense is what's allowed us to, to win the games that we have won, and to be in the Philadelphia game that we were really close to, um, and it was our two off, it was our, it was a couple of defensive, um, slips that caused us to lose that game, according to Coach. Defensive intensity and in committing to defense isn't something that can fade away if the team is all buying in, shots and shooting, yeah it's a lot easier for someone to have a bad night shooting than it is for them to have a bad night on defense. So I think that's one reason that gives me somewhat hope of this being able to sustain a little bit longer. Now, again, I don't want to get too far ahead of myself. We are four games in. But the one reason why I feel like I can get a little bit more ahead is because the defense this year looks so, so much better. Um, and it just, it really looks like people are are trying. Um, the people that have gotten the flack on it the most over the last couple of years have been playing really, really good defense in, in our boy, Nick Vucevic. Um, I know you and I are a little bit, especially you are more of a Vucevic stands, but like he's, he's looked pretty decent out there, um, uh, this year. And that's, that. I think that's saying something. I think we're, we're starting to, to see the differences in, in how coach Clifford is getting the guys to buy into his defensive-minded first system and how the offense will come with that.
3: Yeah, I, I I didn't think about that point, but yeah, I think it is a very good point. Like, I think the way we're playing now is a little bit more sustainable. Uh, even if, like, uh, my my guess is that we were a thirty-three to thirty-five win team, and I'm still going to go with that right now that's a significant improvement over last year. And maybe maybe we are better than that. Maybe we win 41 games. Maybe we win more. Maybe we're right around that that, that mark. But I, I think the way we're winning games is much more sustainable than Aaron Gordon shooting 63% from three and Evan Fournier averaging 23 points per game. Yes. Um, and then to your point about Vucevic, it's something that we talked about in our first podcast together. Vuce has all the capabilities of being an above-average defender, not a great one, but an above-average one, uh, especially man defense. He's not going to block a lot of shots, uh, but he's got a big body. He can he can force opposing big men out of position. Um, I don't think he's physical enough in that regard, however. So, you know, uh, I don't want to say that. He's a great interior defensive player, but he's good enough. I think he's good enough in that regard. And I think positionally speaking, he seems to always more or less be in the right position. What it comes down to is whether or not A, that's good enough on every play. And it's not always good enough on every play. Being in the right position and being aware of your surroundings and what's going on is one thing. But you got to make the effort to contest Shots. I know there's been a couple instances on Twitter recently where I have uh, kind of broken down what would happen if Vooch moved from where he was positionally. And uh, I've had some people agree with me, some people disagree with me, that's fine. Uh, But what I saw last night was he made the effort to come out on on those high pick and rolls. And the other guys, his teammates, but really, Terrence Ross, Evan Fournier, and Aaron Gordon have done a great job with this. Isaac, too, uh, rotating and switching and communicating to allow Vooch to come up on those those high pick and rolls. Uh, I don't think in the past – I mean, uh, who knows how long this is going to last, him doing this, because he's done it before. Right, uh, right. Uh, inconsistent. Uh, effort, but uh, I think him being able to trust his teammates and his teammates being able to trust him to make the right play and all those guys communicating could go a long way in in turning him into. I think he's an average defender at best. Most people think he's not even NBA caliber defensive player. I think just him giving the effort can turn uh, those perceptions around with a lot of magic fans.
2: I, I think he's, I think he can be an average defender and I'm just going to put this, uh, stat out there right now. In in four games, he's had, uh, six steals and five of those came in the last two games. Um, I, I think if he gives the effort, but he's also got the support, like you said, the support of his team, um, around him committing to, uh, Playing the proper defensive strategy that's in play I think he can but I think if you put the entire defensive load on him which we have tried to do with horrible point guard play in the past and and just defensive systems that weren't working um I think that's where you see that the, the, the piss poor play from Vucevic on defense and that's that's just not fair if no one else is putting the effort in and and we just put the blame on him um Matt magic fans, myself included, we, we need someone to put the blame on sometimes. And it's unfortunate. The two people that have been here the longest, but they're the two people that are going to get it because we've seen them through and through. And part of it is their own demeaning, like doing, they, they, they do have eyes for each other. That's, that's not a, it's not a, it's not a lie, but at the same point, they're professional basketball players that want to win and, they, when they put the effort in and everyone else is buying into the same system, they can work really well. And we've seen that in the last two games, Um, you know, with just, I mean, the stat line right here, I'm going to read this for you. Um, His, his game against Philly on Sunday, he went four from four from three, right? We know that's pretty awesome. Um, He had 13 rebounds, four of them being offensive rebounds. That that didn't used to happen unless it was his own tippins. ins um, He had 12 assists. That's running the offense. And that's where I think a lot of people get get confused about Vucevic's value when it comes to offense. And I know I'm kind of transitioning. We're just talking defense. Now I'm talking offense with him. It's his assist game, his ability to pass. And this is what you were talking about earlier, getting, getting other people involved through the big man. He's got 12 assists, now last night he only had one, but the night before he had 12, the night before he had four, the night before he had four or uh, the game before he had four. Um, even if all those assists were just two-point attempts, that that's a lot of points he's a, he's a part of, including his 12, 12 points on each of his first two nights in 27 on the Philly game in 24, and I don't want to just read stats on Vooch and just tell people that's why he's a good player and so valuable, but he does things that Bamba can't do yet. And I know there's the question on when do we need to develop Bamba and integrate him into the system um, as our primary center because Vucevic isn't our long-term answer. Bamba is. And my response to that is we are. And this is going to transition into the next topic I want to talk to you about is lineups. We may not have him running the entire first unit as a point guard yet in Bamba, but we are transitioning him to, he's one of the first people off the bench playing side by side with Vucevic and he's at the four. They're just both switching big men. They don't even need to necessarily have positions. Um, and then and then he is basically running that second unit. And there's had been times he's looked really good. Opening night, he was a monster. Um, you know, last night he had a really nice block to to, to go into transition and I believe we got, uh, I believe we made a three-pointer off of that. I, mean, I could be wrong. Um, but, like, he's also a rookie and making some really, yeah, he's got some rookie moments where he's completely missing assignments, looking very lost and confused on the court and is just getting bullied by the bigger uh, bigger centers. Where are you with, with how Bamba and Vooch look and also just with how we're developing Bamba and do you like it what
3: do you what do you think what's where are you at with all right so i uh i'm there's a point in time where I was pretty vocal about uh why Bamba and Bujovic could work together in spurts especially this rookie year and by uh, the way one, i
2: love bomba sorry i didn't i didn't mean to cut you off but i did because yeah. i don't want this to sound like I, i'm not stoked on him i'm really happy about bomba and i think he's gonna be a great center sorry oh yeah i
3: completely agree i completely agree um but uh, I think with him at, at, at power forward, it's been an interesting experiment. Uh, I think the first two games, it didn't look like it would ever happen. And then the last two games, it started to come together a little bit more. Uh, Bamba has the lateral quickness, the size, um, and the athleticism to, I think, guard some of those more athletic fours in the league. Um, I know Draymond Green isn't exactly that athletic, but I think uh, he is more perimeter oriented. Uh, I think maybe someone like Tobias Harrison might be a little bit more of a dip, difficult cover for him, but you know that's why that lineup's kind of situational. But maybe a Thaddeus Young. I think he would do a, 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 a terrific job guarding Thaddeus Young. I think he did a decent job on uh, the limited minutes he was uh, guarding Dario Saric the other night. Um, and I think Offensively, it works because both Vooch unlike when Ibaka was here, uh, Bamba, more or less, offensively has has camped outside on the perimeter and has been content with uh, not being a focal uh, focal point on offense. Uh, when Ibaka was here, you had him and Vucevic kind of operating in each other's space, and it didn't work out. Um, And then defensively, Ibaka didn't have that lateral quickness or the athleticism that Bamba seems to have. And it it was just a total mess. But Clifford, Steve Clifford brought up a good point. Um, He considers Bamba one of the best players on the team. And you have to find a way to get your best players on the court at the same time. And he said, uh, San Antonio does it. And it's true. They do. They've done it for a very long time. Um, there was another team he mentioned. I can't remember off the top of my head. I think Indiana has done it with uh, Miles Turner and Sabonis. Sabonis. Yeah. I don't know how often they've run it this year, but I've definitely seen those guys on the court at the same time before. Um, and it seems to work out for them. Toronto has done it with uh, Valanciunas and Ibaka in the past. I think now they're kind of rotating Ibaka and Valanciunas in at the five and four. Depending on matchups, we'll see you know how long that lasts. But I think you can still be successful running two bigs at the same time, especially if one of them uh, is the athlete that Bamba is. Um, and I think that's going to go a long way in developing him. I know we got a lot of sl- a slack. Not slack, I don't know. We, we got a lot of hate for playing Aaron Gordon at the 3 under Skiles. And we looked awful. But I think Uh, and skills that he now possessed that have helped us win playing at the three. Um, I think he's developed into a slightly better ball handler. I think his jump shot has come along more. I think he understands spacing a bit more. Uh,
2: he was in his second year in the NBA that year. That was just a yeah. year in general.
3: Yeah, exactly. And, you know, long-term, just playing that position helped him quite a bit. I think Victor Oladipo playing point guard for us for a while and then – uh, going to Oklahoma, uh, I mean, he played shooting guard for us mostly, but he did have moments where he played point guard, and then going to Oklahoma and kind of being forced to play primarily off ball, all those things factored into who he eventually became in Indiana, he became much more versatile. So I think being able to move Bamba around a little bit, uh, positionally speaking, is only going to help his, his development, because who knows 10 years from now who he's going to be playing next to either at the four or the five. You want sure. him to be able to adapt to different situations, all the great players do. Uh, when we have Richard Lewis, he was primarily a three, he played some minutes at the four for Seattle, but primarily a three. But he was such a great player that he was able to switch over to the four and you know help lead a 45-win or 41-win team to uh, the NBA Finals.
2: I th- I think you brought up a really good point uh, just a few minutes ago when you were talking about um, more or less how they're on the court together and how they're able to make it work compared to or, or, or and also not not so much how they're going to make it work or, or how they've been making it work, but how they're going to make it work and it's the fact that Bamba isn't demanding the ball in offense right now um,
3: and he may never be that guy either.
2: Yeah, he might not. And I mean, right now he shouldn't, he shouldn't try and force offense there. I mean, he, he should just let the offense come to him naturally when he's got the look, take it, um, you know, don't, don't pass up the opportunity. If, if you don't have, if, if you, if you have an opportunity to take it, but you know, right now we're running the offense through Vucevic and, 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 Bamba, when he's on the court, and I rewatched this last night because I was not impressed at all the first couple of games when they were both on the court. And I didn't want to see it again. But then I rewatched uh, the first half of last night's game, and Bamba was more of the role player. I think he's getting a little bit too too happy with his three point shot. Um, I don't I don't want him to fall in love with it too much. It's great that he can shoot it and hit it, but um, you know, at the same point, I I don't want him to just hang out around the line unless it's part of the offensive scheme. Um, But Vujovic and Ibaka both wanted the ball in their hands during offense. Bamba is more willing to just play role player, which is what is going to make that lineup successful. I don't think it's a lineup we're going to see often, uh, every single game for more than five, ten minutes at a time. Uh, But I do think it's something we'll play situationally, uh, matchup dependent, and... Right now, we're sitting at the second half of every first quarter. And it's been, last night, it it worked all right. We'll see how it looks in the next couple of games. But that's kind of, that's to me what's going to make it better or worse is if if Bamba can understand that he's a role player and not the focal point of the offense.
3: Well, think about this too. If you have Vooch and Bamba on the floor at the same time, you're forcing the opposing team to choose whether they keep going small, at that point, Bamba definitely becomes a threat on offense. Uh, He likes to crash the boards. He's obviously much more athletic than most five men. and He's got the size of a five man. Uh, Yeah, exactly. Um, But, you know, if you're out there and you're playing uh, I don't know, Jason Tatum over there, the Magic are going to kill you on the boards right then and there. Uh, it's going to be hard to if you run a pick and pop with with Bamba at the top of the three point line. Uh, give him a little bit of space, and he's got enough room to really get that shot off right there, as well. So it, it does pose potential problems. Maybe not right now, but as Bamba continues to develop and Vucevic learns uh, where Bamba wants to be, and you know, as long as they're not operating in the same spots, like him, like Vucevic and Ibaka both wanted to be in the same exact spot at the same exact time. Yeah. And it was, it was an issue. Uh, I think as those two kind of figure it out, uh, you know, hopefully both of them more specifically Bamba will, will develop. And eventually that lineup can be something that we use to uh, take advantage of those smaller teams.
2: Yeah, no, it's something that, and I, and I think that's why it was, it, it worked so well last night is because I think, you know, they, they, they are a little bit on the smaller side, in my opinion, the Celtics are, and it's just, uh, it's, it's, it, it, it worked out well, matchup dependent. And I mean, we had mismatches all, all season Tatum couldn't, couldn't handle, um, or sorry, uh, who was, who was Isaac couldn't Tatum couldn't Isaac and Tatum, like his length was just constantly in the face of tatum they they just they had a really hard time
3: with the length they yeah and gordon's physicality was was hurting gordon hayward so ag and gordon hayward just that was a really odd matchup and kind of dangerous for boston to even throw that out considering that was
2: the matchup i was looking at by the way not the not the
3: uh... all right cool i'm glad we're on the same page with that that was like a guy who had that kind of injury last year you really want him out there banging around with aaron gordon and he's still
2: clearly recovering from that injury and getting back yeah. into game shape and yeah. getting his confidence back. He hit a couple of really nice threes last night. Um, but you can just tell he's still being a little bit reserved. The team's still trying to figure things out. Um, I mean, that team's going to be great. They're going to figure it out. I'm not really too worried about them with the slow offensive start that they had. But, like, again, let's give the Magic some credit. They shot they shot 10 of 40 from the fr- from the three-point line or, or 9 of 40, and we shot – Um, let's see, we shot nine of 35, so it's like granted, our three point shooting wasn't great either, but we held them down really well on that, and they're a pretty darn good three point shooting team. So, it's our length is definitely going to be an issue with people. And I don't know if you heard Brad Stevens' comments after the game, he said that was their best offensive night they've had since the start of the NBA. Um, and if that's your best offensive night versus Versus Orlando, like, no, I'm not giving any shade to Orlando. We're number 10th in the league so far uh, in defensive rating and it's through four games, I know. And that could probably change tonight with how games are being played. But it's, you know, I think we're on to something. And I think the length and versatility that this team, this front office has been building has been, been really something. Um, let's move away a little bit from defense, Vooch, and the bigs right now. Uh, let's talk about kind of another big, but who's playing the three? Jonathan Isaac. He had a great game last night. Uh, career highs in 18 points. Um, with a a game solidifying two pointer at the end where he pump faked uh Jason Tatum, and uh 12 boards. Uh, really played a good game last night, which is funny because you know the first he kind of had a weird start to this. They put him down on, on on minute restrictions with not only his ankle limit restrictions, but uh, a minute restrictions, but also his his um you know his foul trouble just it got him taken out early in quarters and stuff like that. Um, and then Philadelphia, he was fine on on staying out of foul trouble, but he just looked a little bit hesitant on. On the offense to like there was a couple of times where he had an open look for three and he passed it up um, and just didn't really seem to be the aggressor that we wanted him to be. And then last night comes around and there is this one moment where. I forget who missed a three pointer, but he grabbed he was fighting off three Celtics player for a board picking up the ball off the ground and then just slammed up and dunked it and he took that game solidifying uh pump out three fake to a step in solid two and just hit a couple of really big quick catch threes um with a guy running right into his face and he just he nailed it every time he shot eight of 12 um and really was one of the big reasons that we solidified the win on that game um and that's not even talking about his defense what I'm excited. How, how do you feel about Jonathan Isaac? Um, that he's, he's, he's been pretty good so far as far as defense offense coming about. What do you think?
3: Um, I'm still not entirely sold on what Jonathan Isaac will become, but anything that like even remotely resembled his performance last night is uh, going to do wonders for him. Just his confidence. I think, a lot of his, tr- his struggles offensively has, has been due to just uncertainty about what his role is in the offense. Um, he's not the greatest shooter yet, and he doesn't have the greatest handle either. So it's not like he's somebody who can create for himself. And I think last night he realized, or maybe the coaching staff pointed this out to him during film sessions. Is that he can operate in space, moving without the ball. A lot of those easy offensive rebounds that he got, um, or really a lot of the baskets he he got, were due to him just kind of moving without the ball, finding uh, openings in 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 the defense and attacking them as such. And that's going to go a long way for someone like him. I I, I know. I think rookie year Aaron Gordon kind of had the same uh it's kind of how we we ran plays we didn't run plays for him um, but that's how he kind of found ways to score you know understanding where the openings in the defense were and then attacking them uh, a few years ago Mar- more uh similar setup but we'll see where where Isaac is in regards to his development and his potential, is he more of a mohartless guy or is he more of an Aaron Gordon guy? Not necessarily in regards to play style, but where uh, his impact lies. Is he a guy you build around or is he just a role player? And I think that's kind of what I'm keeping my eye out on with him so far this year. I think up and down performances offensively met with, you know, above average to great defense uh, by him like you said it's only four games in so we'll we'll see which version of him is closer to the truth but after last night I, i'm i'm keeping my optimism that he can kind of continue that trend of of playing within the offense and taking what the defense gives him and being a factor in that instead of us having to play four on five to start the game if he can do little things like that that's another threat that the opposing team has to game plan for
2: the couple things to keep in mind with Isaac and I'm a big Isaac guy. I've, as soon as I saw him play defense last year in the few times that I did get to see him, um, I was, I was sold. Um, There's a few points I want to make one. This is essentially his rookie year all over again. It's like rookie year 1.5. So it's, it's kind of a retake. Uh, Yeah. He's definitely had some training in the upper hand. And so he's not really a rookie, but It's still kind of his first time playing with people uh, in NBA speed and, um, you know, being a part of the system where last year he was just kind of a part of it, but never got to apply it outside of the 27 games. And so I think we're still going to see a lot of moments on the court, especially offensively, where he is confused and doesn't know his role, um, even if he, you know, whether he's the fourth option or the fifth option. Do I take the shot? Do I pass it up? Um, I think we'll still see plenty of nights like that throughout the year. But I also think we're gonna find a lot of nights like we had last night, where he, the where he's just doing his thing and, and putting up points and 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 really a part of the offense. And where we might need to consider giving him the ball more. Um, but I was in a conversation with a few people the other day. We were talking about Isaac compared to, and, and compared to a few other Magic players that we've had, um, and what makes Isaac different and why he can be somebody different other than, and we were comparing him to like Mario Hazona and Alfred Payton. Um, and then all the Depot in a sense in there to where like the development, like took some time. Um, and where my point was the difference between, <clears throat> excuse me, the difference between Jonathan Isaac, Mario Hazonia and Alfred Payton is, From the first handful of games right away, we knew Jonathan Isaac had an elite NBA skill that, if it wasn't already there, was going to develop into being an elite NBA skill, and that's defense. Alfred Payton, Mario Hazonia, I don't really know if they ever had no... They were were good at a couple of really nice things. They had a couple of really nice aspects to their games, but I don't know if I would ever put them as an elite in any one aspect of their game where...
1: Now get 0% APR or up to 1,500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details.
2: Jonathan Isaac already has that with his defense. And that's one thing alone that will make him an asset to his team. And allow him to solidify at least, like you were saying, is it a role player or is it more than that? He's at least a role player. He could be a three, a lockdown three and D type player. But the thing that gives me more hope about him is that he can be more than that. Is it's raw, and as we've seen with players like Victor Oladipo and Tobias Harris, sometimes the development to really take that next step from role player to a solid piece in the in the offensive or just in the team is time and development because those guys, it both took them four or five years to develop into the 20-point-a-game scores that they both have put Um uh, Victor Oladipo a little bit more so than Depayus Harris, but they both took huge leaps last year in their games. And, you know, we might not see that with Isaac this year. Um, he might be kind of streaky in the year after that, but I think in two, three years from now, I think that's when we're really going to see isaac b that really and i hope i'm right i could be wrong but that really like versatile two-way player that is a threat on offense and a threat on defense
3: yeah i think uh a lot of comparisons early on were to andre kirlenko and i still think i don't know if you how, how well you remember his game but he uh he has a lot of similar qualities to uh jonathan isaac he was able to guard all five positions um He's a decent three-point shooter, actually. I I think that really helped him uh, go from being uh, kind of just a, like an athletic, long specimen to a uh, contributing guy early on in his career. And then, you know, slowly but surely, he found other ways to affect the game offensively. And I'm hoping uh, in the offseason and when he gets a chance, he watches footage of the Andre Kirilenko, you know Sean Marion's probably another good comparison. Gerald Wallace, uh, those are all guys he can take something from and model himself after. You don't you don't need to be a, a thirty point per game guy to have a massive impact offensively on a team. Sometimes fifteen points per game is enough, especially when they're good shots. They're smart shots and and you're able to kind of dictate the way the game, uh, you know, is decided, and then how it goes with your defense, you know, and anything extra, you know, that ten, fifteen points per game is is going to take you far. I think, you know, like I said, I don't know if that's who he developed into. Maybe he's Mo Harkless, and he's this eight point per game guy that plays solid defense. I, I'm hoping not, but
2: I'm hoping not too. I like there's nothing wrong with him but i i really hope i you know i really hope he gets a little bit more than eight points per game um i'm hoping we see more of last night than the previous nights but again even if he did just turn into a super elite defender and you know eight to twelve points a game like dude that's 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 a really good yeah you can still impact
3: the offense you know yeah that's a
2: really good basketball player and i think That's a nice transition into the next point point guards. Uh, Ooh. I think when you, when we solidify that elite scorer playmaker and solidify that point guard position, Isaac will be able to fill in his role offensively a lot more and, and, and be just find out where he fits truly in the offensive system when we have that playmaker. So let's talk about the point guard situation. Um, I have not been pleased. DJ has done what we thought he would just kind of run things and, and keep us afloat. Um, Jaron Grant had a decent opener, but the last couple of nights has been. Well, last night he was okay, but the Philly game and the Charlotte game were God awful. Um, And at one point, Isaiah Briscoe came in because Jaron Grant was being so horrible. And that didn't make any difference either, and he just showed he wasn't even close to being ready for the NBA yet. Are you as down on the point guards as I am?
3: I don't want to say that I am necessarily down on them. I didn't have high expectations for either one of them. I like DJ Augustin, though. Good point. Good. Point. Um, but at the same time, uh, I was very vocal um, about us not signing I say a Thomas. I was very vocal about us uh, not drafting or moving up in the draft to select uh, Brunson or uh, Carter out of West Virginia. I was I was very vocal about there being free agent point guards on the market, maybe not much better than DJ Augustine, maybe the same caliber of guy, but us not even going in you know into negotiations with those not guys even or conversations. A swing exactly um and like i said even though i like dj augustin i wasn't prepared to have him as the starting point guard for the year and even though my expectations are low i have to i have to say like what i've seen from him and how i've responded mentally and emotionally to to watching him play basketball i've actually been slightly disappointed in him but i'm not so down on him because I know he is uh, a streaky player and I'm hoping he turns it around. Yeah. His offense I, is a little slower yeah. this
2: year than it was last year. Yeah,
3: I would agree. And uh, I'm trying not to get too down on him because there's a reason he's been leaked so long. Um, But I am very down on Jerry and grant. I was not a fan of the trade. I've never been a fan of Jerry and grant and supposedly he's been pretty good defensively. Uh, analytically speaking, but I just – I feel like he's way too timid. He's a slightly more athletic Chris Duhon, and Chris Duhon wasn't even an NBA-caliber guy. Uh, I don't like the way he's run the offense. I don't like how passive he's been as a scorer. I don't really know what he's good at currently. He just kind of seems to be there, just kind of existing, not really – making it a point to to stand out. He I think he looked a little bit better in, in preseason. He was a little bit more uh into what was going on and you know regular season he's just kind of the forgotten piece. Um I think DJ for all his his you know flaws has done a good job, especially when uh we're running the offense through Vooch of moving around without the ball, finding open lanes to kind of uh cut to the basket in, he had, I want to say over the course of the first four games, he uh, he's had to have at least 10 to 12 points coming off of easy cuts to the basket with Vuce or Aaron Gordon kind of finding him cutting. So I, I, I do appreciate that, but I was really hoping that one of them one of those two would step their games up even just slightly. I wasn't expecting huge jumps, but just slightly, and neither one of them has. I'd say both of them have kind of regressed from last season. Obviously, Jerry and being in, in Chicago and DJ being here, neither one of them looked better than they did last year.
2: Yeah, I uh... – I didn't expect much improvement from DJ this year. I was hoping that at least his um, offense would would translate over. And again, it's early. The offensive in Orlando is still kind of figuring their their way, and I and I hope it continues to develop. Um, so we definitely need we need DJ to be able to hit threes, and he he hit a couple, but we need him to have the offensive season he had last year. But yeah, we need we need Jerry and Grant to just get a little bit more aggressive on, on running this team. And we, we saw it with the Philadelphia game where as soon as that second unit came on, that lead that we had just got, got demolished and, and, and we lost that game. Um, well, can I add so, something
3: to that? Yeah, yeah, sure. So one of the things I noticed is our second unit has been pretty good defensively. Um, but offensively, the ball sticks too much. They're not moving it around. And that should be Jerry and Grant's role in that second unit offensively is properly running the offense, making sure guys are in the right place, making sure they're doing the things they're supposed to be doing. And like I said, he's just kind of existing on that end of the floor. Right. Right. And if they're not, if they're not getting out in transition, they're, they're really struggling. And I think Jeff Turner, uh, spoke to that point a little bit last night too during the broadcast, and uh, I gotta say, if, if you're a point guard, whether you're starting or you're coming off the bench, your primary role, in my opinion, probably because I'm old school, should be making sure that the offense is functioning, especially in the half court, and Darian Grant is not even coming close to being able to do that.
2: No, he's not, and it's, it's really disturbing that he's not able to to run it I hope they can unlock some things I'm hoping with these last couple of days they've had off that they are able to but yeah that second unit definitely needs to figure a couple things out offensively because defensively you're right they're doing okay uh, but offensively, they are just struggling to hold it together. Um, and I just I don't see much hope on, on what's going to improve besides maybe Terrence Ross and Simmons getting a little bit better with uh, with shooting. Uh, we know Simmons is coming off a wrist injury, so hopefully that will continue to improve. Um, so we'll see. You know, we got a couple minutes left before we get going to wrap things up. And I just want to say, like, I like... I like talking basketball with you. I like talking Orlando Magic with you because sometimes you bring a different perspective than other people just as far as the way you look at players, um, you know, particularly how you brought out certain aspects in Vucevic and Bamba playing side by side and stuff like that and their roles together. And I want to continue to have, I want this conversation to happen again. And I want it to happen, uh, you know, a little bit later on in the season and kind of retouch on what some of the topics that we talked about tonight on just where the second unit was, uh, where they are now, where they, where they are, you know, in a month or so from now. And you know, what that Bombavooch lineup looks like from now, because those are things that we should see improve, right? We should see some changes in there, hopefully. Um, And, you know, hopefully again, we have this conversation and it's another positive conversation coming off some wins or some at least development with this team. Again I'm personally not expecting this team to to win much more than like 32 ish games uh maybe 35 on you know on a really good season. I, I just think we don't have the offensive firepower for it um but I hope I'm wrong and yeah we'll see um before we end this we got just a minute or two left. any last minute thoughts um and please go ahead and tell people where they can find you on the interweb so they can follow your rants on Twitter.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Um, so let me touch on a, on one other thing, kind of magic related. Sure. Uh, maybe not so much magic related. Eh, it's magic related. All right. So JJ Redick in Philadelphia is responsible for us losing that game uh, against them. And I got to say, I'm a Magic fan, diehard Magic fan, and I kind of got hyped. Dude, I, I did too. Hands. I did too. It's so good to see him do well.
2: Sorry Yeah, to right? At talk, 34 but, like, years I felt old. That. I felt guilty for that, though.
3: Yeah. You know what? It, I don't know if you ever went to any of the games when he was a rookie and he wasn't playing much. And I think it, you don't have to bring race into it, but like stereotypical white guy thing uh, at the Magic Games, if you were sitting next to a white guy uh, between the ages of like 16 and 22, chances are they were chanting, we want JJ or something like that. And kind of seeing his career trajectory, you know, him being a human victory cigar, his rookie year, and kind of like a, a,
2: he had another 30 point game tonight, by the way.
3: Yeah. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. To being 34 years old and kind of improving upon his best season ever, offensively speaking, scoring wise last year, it's, it's, it's great to see, you know, I, uh, I, I'm, he is the epitome of self-made. I mean, maybe Jimmy Butler is probably the epitome of self-made yeah. and then there's JJ Reddick underneath him.
2: But he is, he's doing things, man. He is, he's had a great career and, uh, yeah. you know, we should, uh, we should have another podcast all about JJ. <laughs> hey,
3: Hey, you may not know this, but I'm the biggest JJ Reddick fan of all time. I started watching him when he was at Duke and he got drafted by the magic, my favorite team. And uh, another thing I cried, I cried when the Mavericks lost in the 06 finals, and I cried when J.J. Redick was drafted by the Magic, and I missed it. I went to the bathroom during the pick, and I came out and cried. So that should speak volumes to where I'm at mentally and emotionally with J.J. Redick. So it's always good to see him uh, do well. And if anyone else on the 76ers had hit that game-winner versus us, I'd probably throw something at my TV. But because it was J.J., and because I think every – Man in Orlando still has a slight man crush on him. I gotta, I, I, I gotta, you know, I gotta show support for him. All
2: right. Well, Jonathan, I gotta, we gotta just plug your Twitter handle real quick. Oh, um, yep. go ahead and do that. And we gotta wrap it up because we
3: are about yep. to run over my man. Yeah. Let's not do that. All right. So Twitter, I am, uh, who am I on Twitter? At a guy named John, John Thomas Prime. Yeah. John Thomas Prime. Prime. And Instagram, which I'm very active on, is, uh, at a guy named John, at and then my uh, my podcast. Uh, I've got one already that exists, uh, "Friends with Boredom," and then I'm working on one for uh, this network or one of the networks that Stephen and I are uh, a part up of. and under. Yeah, that's yeah, under. that's a good show. We were talking
2: about that development um a little bit before we actually started recording this. It's going to be a good one. Yes. All right, guys, this is the end of the show. Thank you for tuning in. We got another great guest lined up for next week, so make sure you uh, check us out then. Please make sure to like and subscribe. And do me a favor. If you know another Magic fan, share this. Share this podcast with another Magic fan. We'd like to grow. Um, if they're on Twitter, tell them to follow us. That that helps. And check out the up and under. We, we had uh, a fun, friendly bet between... Um, me and our media person, Tiffany, and uh, she's a Celtics fan. Magic won, so she had to write an article about the Magic, and that posted up today. And it's a cool little read for uh, for it being a Magic article. I love Orlando Magic, and Tiffany did a great job with it. Um, so that's all up for the close-up Magic tonight. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll talk to you tomorrow. Peace.
1: Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then, Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com.
0: It's my little escape.
1: Now, Judy's the life of the party.
0: Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon.
1: Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs>